On today's episode of Locked On Nets, Marcus Barahal, Josh Bass break down the big Chris Haynes article on Kevin Durant and discuss the recent NBA.com all-decade teams. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are back with another edition of the Locked On Nets podcast. I am your host, Josh Bass, lifelong fan of your Brooklyn Nets. Joining me as always, Marcus Barahal. It's the dog days of summer, the NBA, uh, I guess kind of season, whatever you want to call it, cycle has grinded to a halt, but we are still here churning out content, right, Marcus? That's right, Josh. You know, basketball never stops except for in mid-August. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's pretty. It stopped at this point. You know, it's a it's a tried and and, and true saying. Uh, it's uh, we need something a bit catchier. It's really it's almost an eleven and a half month a year uh, sport. <laughs> it doesn't quite hit twelve. That's true. It's close. It's close. Someone someone tell Bill Simmons because he's under the impression that basketball is a twelve month a year sport. We are here <laughs> to inform him that it's not. Uh, we'll get into a couple of things here today. Wanted to break down. The uh, the recent NBA.com article on the uh, the all decade team from the 2010s that they posted uh, a week ago. I think it was uh, Kari Arnold's posted that. Um, just kind of we'll talk about feedback, what we think, who any snubs, who deserves to, who is kind of uh, not deserve to be on there, who's who's kind of overrated, um, any nets that we think should be on there, and then we'll talk about uh, recent. Chris Haynes' article on KD that was posted on Yahoo, uh, really the first time he's spoken to the media um, since kind of um, not only signing with the Nets, but also his devastating injury in Game 5 of the NBA Finals. So uh, there's some stuff to talk about. Yeah, that's why we're talking. I think there's some stuff going on. Exactly. Um, and well, David Locke wants us to talk regardless, because we can always <laughs> give our listeners uh, some much-needed uh, excitement in their in their lives, and not much needed. Our, our listeners have very interesting lives. Marcus, we have some big personal news, me and you together. Yeah, uh, we are happy to announce, hashtag proud to announce, that Josh and I will be going on a road trip. Uh, us, co- former co-host Gavin, and uh, my girlfriend Sarah will be hitting San Francisco, Portland, Seattle, Vancouver. If you're in any of those cities and you want to house us we still haven't booked airbnbs so let us know talk about that let's talk about (laughs) um yeah no it'll be exciting i i thought i'm i I thought we talked about not saying that gavin and sarah were going that it was just gonna be me and you doing uh kind of a a retreat to do podcast bonding time i mean we'll break off you know they 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 went to college together so they can have their little adventures you and i can can pod together from yeah, the road. Gavin actually, uh, inside baseball for the listeners, Gavin actually introduced Marcus to his current girlfriend. It's true. He introduced me to this podcast and to my current girlfriend. This is a, he's, he's a big, big factor in my life, that Gavin. I, do you think the listeners think that Gavin's our only friend? <laughs> uh, possibly. I think we've mentioned Epstein once or twice. Oh, my God. Yes. Great guy. <laughs> couple friends. Yeah, so we will be hitting the Pacific Northwest uh kevin durant's former home when he was uh there for a year in seattle um i don't know what, what should we do should we like go should we like kind of go to these like nike academies in, in oregon and see if we can identify 
um, some potential high school prospects and do like a, a 2024 NBA mock draft. We could do that. I also, in that Chris Haynes article that we're going to talk about a little later, it actually mentioned towards the end that Durant was uh, looking to move in like a month to New York. So maybe we'll overlap with him in San Francisco at some point. Maybe we can get him onto our flight back from Vancouver, add him to the road trip. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think that's uh, very realistic. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, but it, it will be good. We will, uh, we'll, so we'll be together. We'll produce some content while we're on the road. Maybe we can get some, some creative things, uh, get Gavin involved. I think we have to, to talk offline if we want to do that. It might even might tank our numbers, actually. It's a little Gavin risky. Yeah. It's, it's kind of risky, yeah. It's, uh, it's too risky. Um, but we'll, we'll preview that trip and maybe even give, give a sneak peek of the itinerary, even though I'm sure absolutely no one is interested in that as we get closer. Uh, but Marcus, the all decade teams came out for second and third team, I guess. Do you, do you like these kind of exercises? What were your, your thoughts kind of just, uh, were you excited when it came out? Um, excited to hear your gut reaction on that. Uh, I was mostly confused cause I did not realize that the decade was about to end. I, I think that because it's still 2019. It felt premature, but I guess this makes sense because like midway through next season will be in the 2020s. But yeah, I do like these exercises. Um, one of my favorite podcasts that you and Gavin actually did a while ago, like maybe three years ago at this point, was when you talked about like your all-time Nets team. I thought that was really cool. So yeah, I love this kind of uh, sort of historical, but also like this is mixing in present day. I, I love that stuff. Yeah, same. I think I think it's always really cool. And it's also like, it it's crazy to think like, you're like, oh, a decade's not too long. But then you look back and like, wow, some of these, like, uh, I looked at like the 2012 All-Star Game, 2011 All-Star Game, and it's just so different. The NBA especially, um, not only have the players really cycled over, but the style of the game has really turned over. So uh, it's very interesting to kind of take a look at this and see guys who were really um, in uh, making a lot of headway in, around the league in the early 2010s, and then some of the newer guys like Giannis, uh, Kawhi, uh, Anthony Davis that have really, really emerged in the later on period of the decade. Yeah, and it also, like, there's no reason that he shouldn't be appreciated anyway, but LeBron is just insane. Like, he was top 10 in points, rebounds, assists, steals, field goal percentage in the 2010s, and he made the All-Star team and an All-NBA team, like, every single year, 27, 7.5, 7.5, so... Uh, obviously, he is uh, good at basketball. Hot take, but I like yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we're here for. We fire these things off. Yeah, absolutely. So, Marcus, give me one person you feel is a snub, and who would you take off in their place? Um, so, just looking over it, the person I was like most confused as to them being on, I guess, was LaMarcus Aldridge, which, like, when you look at his numbers, I guess it kind of makes sense. He averaged, like, 21-9. and nine. For the decade, he made seven all-star teams, five all-NBA teams. So he was like definitely an impactful player. But to me, like a guy like Clay Thompson, who came into the league in 2011, has become like the like peak, peak, peak of like a 3 and D player where he is an all-star. If he went to another team, he'd probably uh, be a number one option. But he's like on this team, he fills a role perfectly. Obviously, he's won like multiple NBA championships at this point, three of them. And his defense, which uh, people talk about a lot, I think he's just, like, chronically underappreciated. And I think that he maybe deserved that spot over Aldridge, who 
like was a great player, but I think like 20, 30 years from now, when people are looking back at this era of basketball, I think more people are going to talk about Clay than Aldridge, which I don't know if that's like what this is supposed to be about, but I think he's more worth honoring. Yeah, I don't know. I definitely see your point and think Clay could definitely, there's a case to be made to have him uh, have him have a spot on this list. I've always thought LMA was very underappreciated. I think he kind of um, ended up getting not not a raw deal, but got a bit unlucky in the sense that Odin was uh, was someone that um, could just not stay healthy at all and was pretty much a wasted pick at number one, uh, with, of course, Durant being the next pick. And then Brandon Roy had obviously a great start to his career, was looking like someone who was well on his way to being a top 10 player in the league and then had those debilitating knee injuries. And then it kind of left LMA on his own little island, his own uh, his own LMA land. And then from there, obviously, they were able to retool nicely with with um, Lillard and uh, and getting some of those guys, Wes Matthews, Nicholas Batum, Rolo. Uh, but those it was never really the type of team to put a contender around him. So I feel like he was someone who was certainly capable of being uh, a number two guy, number three guy on a, a really, really good team. Just the situation didn't make it make itself happen. While you look on the other hand, a guy like Clay, uh, he was been in the perfect situation since he got drafted. So um, I think as far as talent and consistency is concerned, I definitely think LMA could have a place on the list, but obviously not going to disparage Clay in the slightest. Yeah, I think that's a good point about the injuries to his teammates. And you bringing up Lillard made me think like if he deserves a spot, that's probably recency bias. But I feel like the last couple years, he's been like better than some like Aldridge was like at any point. Like I think Lillard's been like the second best point guard. If you like, there's like a lot of uh, flexibility with positions. Like if you want to count like Harden as a point guard, but I think it's like hit, like he's like basically 90% of Steph. And I think that he didn't come on as like early in the decade as Aldridge did, but he definitely, I think made a big impact too. Yeah. I still think there is some recency bias to it. I mean, yeah. Giannis, I, I think, like, obviously, insane player, well, probably one of the three best guys in the league right now and will be for the foreseeable future, but I don't know if I'd have him on my all-decade team. Yeah, um, I think it's I think it's probably just because he won the MVP. Like, other than Derrick Rose, everyone who won an MVP in the decade is on one of these teams. Yeah, but it's like, if I'm saying who would I rather have for this past decade, I'd rather have Chris Bosh than, than Giannis. I might rather have uh, Pau Gasol than Giannis, just because... They basically played at least seven or eight like really good quality years, and Giannis um, has been in the league for for uh, six seasons now. But really, only three of them, kind of four, was he an impact player? With obviously the last two years being a uh, complete superstardom. Yeah, and that actually kind of reminds me a little bit of Kawhi, where I was he was the one that I was only like slightly surprised to see on first team, but then like looking at everyone else, I'm not sure who I would put ahead of him. But just looking at like the raw numbers of it and you like see everyone lined up like Steph Harden, LeBron Durant. Those are like inarguable. Those are first team guys for the decade. And then Kawhi, uh, only three all-star teams, only three all NBA teams, uh, less than 18 points per game during the decade. Obviously he's like an incredible player and maybe the best player in the league right now, but I don't know. He, he also like didn't come on until like the 2013 kind of 2014 season. So like he missed a couple years at the beginning. He obviously sat out a whole year so. I don't know. But then at the same time, like, I don't know who I would put on first team ahead of him. So, yeah, like Kawhi is, is someone that I mean, obviously he had an incredible season. He was the best player on the team that just won the championship. But he has I've, I've never seen someone who's 
reputation has increased more in one season than him. Because where would, would he have even been on this list going into um, if you just shifted everything forward a year and then the, they end up winning the championship in the in uh, this upcoming season? Um, or I guess that would still be part of the decade. But but you get what I mean. like Right. Or like if the if in that uh, Sixers series, if that shot hadn't bounced in and they lose in overtime, is he still in the first team on this list? Yeah, for me, he would be like. I don't maybe maybe squeeze a third team out, but but I don't even know about that because he was obviously a role player up until that uh, that finals against Miami where they won. He was incredible in that, but he was still he wasn't the focal point of anything. And then he had a couple seasons where he was um, really really kind of the offensive guy and, and expanded his repertoire a lot, especially with his three pointer. And then had that. Um, injury plagued and, and all the drama with Uncle Dennis and, and everything that came with that season in San Antonio. And then he had the come up last year in Toronto. So um, he's someone that's really benefits in, on this list from uh, from the timing of it. But uh, I'm still I don't think the body of work necessarily justifies him being placed on the first team. Yeah. And then like looking at the second team, it's kind of five of the same player in some way where it's guys who were incredible players and like put up great stats but none of them really want anything it's chris paul russell westbrook anthony davis blake griffin carmelo anthony and like russell has a chance to change that with houston ad obviously with the lakers now even chris paul depending where he gets traded to but it's just like a lot of guys who are just missing like that one thing in the decade and so that's another reason to me why it's like yeah i guess Kawhi is on the first team because i don't think i'd put any of these second team guys ahead of him like i because of the fact that he won, like, I know we're saying, like, if he hadn't done these things this past year, but he did. So I think mm-hmm. that he does kind of deserve that first team spot. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I feel like, I think Wade is a bit getting uh, underlooked because he still won two championships in the third team. And he was, uh, I mean, obviously, he's kind of fallen off the last five years and, and maybe three of those five really kind of being simply just a, a role player type. But he was just so so good the first uh, the first half of that decade that I would actually bump him up to uh, maybe second team even and then I think uh, Melo maybe third team and then actually take Kobe off and and put in uh, put in Chris Bosh. Mm. Yeah, I, I think I agree with moving weight up. I, I love that you'd put Bosh in. I like that a lot actually. I love Bosh. <laughs> Yeah, he's great. Uh, obviously, like if his health stuff hadn't uh, basically like ended his career, I think he could have probably been on this list, maybe instead of Aldridge. Mm-hmm. Marcus, any Joe Johnson love for you? Mm. Yeah, I was trying to think because like I went through the All NBA teams. The last net to make an All NBA team was Jason Kidd in like the mid two thousands, and like hopefully Kyrie breaks that streak this year, but. Yeah, or with him and Levert, don't just limit it. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, but uh, hopefully, like in the in ten years from now, in the twenty twenty decade team, the Nets have at least two guys with KD and Kyrie. Uh, are you counting KD on this first team as like a net right now or no? Say again. Are you counting KD as a net right now? Like looking at the first team. Absolutely. Taking credit for that. Okay. Absolutely. And that will be our segue to next segment. We'll talk about KD opening up to Chris Haynes of Yahoo and any tidbits on his recovery coming up. We're back on Locked On Nets. Of course, you can get the podcast on Stitcher, 
Apple Podcasts, Google. And when you get in your car or when you're traveling at all, just say, hey, Alexa, hey, Siri, whatever your smart device is, play podcast Locked On Nets or any of our friends on the Locked On Podcast Network. We would greatly appreciate it. Also, of course, if you could subscribe to the podcast, as I just mentioned, but in addition, rating and reviewing is very helpful. It allows people to find the podcast and for more people to become indoctrinated with our Nets fandom. Uh, we have an intern at work, Marcus, who I just found out was a Nets fan. I had assumed he was a Knicks fan. And he said he became a Nets fan when Jeremy Lin joined the team. Oh, wow. I yeah. like that. Yeah, it's great. Tell him, tell the intern to listen to our last episode where we, we talked about Jeremy Lin. I will let him know. I think he, I think his last day is uh, is tomorrow, Friday, and I'm, I'm taking off that day. So I, I don't think I'll... Oh, wow. <laughs> I'll have someone at work tell him to listen yeah. to us. This is a person you might literally never see again. That we're yeah, talking about. No, wow. it is. And I, I had, we can talk offline on this, but I had a very, very um, kind of woke conversation with my Uber driver last night when I flew, I flew in from Atlanta, landed, and then had this incredible Uber driver. I was very sad that the ride even ended because this guy was the man, and we were really schmoozing it up, but we were talking about, like, it's crazy that we'll probably never see each other again. <laughs> Yeah, I guess I never really thought about that. Like any, like, kind of travel situation, you probably won't see these people ever again. And if you do, you won't even realize that you've seen them before. I, that's also the thing. Yeah, every Uber driver we have on our trip, we'll, uh, we won't, we probably never have them again. Yeah, we have to make sure to say a nice hearty goodbye when we leave the yeah, cars. We'll, we'll dab up and give him a big hug. Yeah. Uh, did Kevin Durant do that for the Warriors when he left, you think? Uh. Well, he's kind of doing it in this article uh, on Yahoo Sports from Chris Haynes, where uh, the like big question that's like kind of been lingering over his departure is like if they botched the handling of the injury and like the aftermath with all that. Bob Myers was obviously very visibly upset in his press conference talking about it, and Katie like kind of puts that to bed. He's like, "Hell no, uh, there's no way you can blame them." Basically, and he says that he kind of pushed himself to get back for that game five. The whole time and that was what he was targeting from the beginning which I don't know if I totally buy that he was like targeting that game specifically the whole time but I do buy that he wouldn't have played if they like pushed him to play and he didn't want to I think for him he's a guy who loves playing basketball obviously and he uh, is just a guy who always wants to be out there and I don't think especially with free agency coming up that he would have played if he didn't really want to play on his own. Yeah, absolutely agree with that. And I think that's that's kind of the hypothesis that we've had throughout. Like, the Warriors can't force Kevin Durant to play and, and suit up. Ultimately, he's the one that has to make that decision. They're not going to be, like, doctoring information or kind of having their, their folks on the medical team spread false information, saying, oh, you're good to go. There's no risk of re-injury, anything like that. They're giving it to him straight. And he's the one that's ultimately making the decision. And he's obviously a huge competitor, as we as we very well know. Um, and he wants to he wants to win. He wants to win other win other rings. He wants to continue proving himself in, in the public eye. Um, so, yeah, it, it just confirmed that. I think the point you made about if he actually had been targeting game five from the very beginning was pretty valid. You know, if the Warriors had been up three one as opposed to being down, I'm not sure if he suits up in that game, but ultimately um, confirms that there was no kind of. Um, foul play, ill intent, anything like that on behalf of the Warriors. But that was pretty much the only thing of, of note that I took from this besides 
that KD is, is friends with Alonzo Trier because <laughs> it was just like, I these articles are all so much fluff the way that they set it up, saying like talking about the views, everyone's on their phones, Damian Lillard uh, FaceTimes him. All, it's just like, okay, get to the point. <laughs> I thought it was a little bit interesting that he, and obviously, like you're just saying, this could totally just be like in hindsight, like trying to like. Like, when you're, like, telling a story, you kind of, like, want it to be better than maybe it was at the time. But where he says, uh, if I was leaving the Warriors, it was always going to be for the Nets. Uh, they got the pieces in a creative front office. I just like what they were building. Like, I think that that's all great. I don't know if I totally buy it, though. What do you think about that? Yeah, I don't buy it. Because, listen, if last year happened, like, the Nets had a, a really, really good year last year in the sense that a lot of their moves paid off. So Joe Harris continued to evolve into a dead-eye three-point shooter and all-around score and got a lot of notoriety around the league for it. Same with Spencer Dinwiddie continuing the ascent that he's had the last couple of years to being one of the top bench guys and uh, top explosive scorers going to the basket in the league. Rody Kurutz was a second-round pick that really paid dividends. Guys like Allen continued to develop. Dela, of course, even though he's not on the team anymore, uh, but he was uh, a piece that Golden State wanted back, and that was able to help make things a bit easier in, in terms of getting KD to Brooklyn. Uh, Levert, even though he did have that horrific injury, showing some signs, especially in the playoffs. Like, if the Nets came out last year and won 34 games, I don't think Kevin Durant is giving them a second look. Um, so, the, yes, I think he was probably uh, keeping an eye on them and intrigued by them. But the year that they had this past year put them in a position to do that. So maybe... Did he have his mind made up in February or March? It's definitely possible, but I completely agree with you that it was not in place most likely at the start of last season. Yeah, and I think that the Nets kind of earned that uh, that like signing of him, basically, like you just said, through their moves and through their uh, on-court stuff as well. And uh, yeah, it just seems like he says uh, at one point, the basketball is appealing in Brooklyn. So I think the style of play and like what Coach Kenny has done has also helped contribute like Sean Marks gets a ton of credit but I think what Atkinson's done uh has also been really good in terms of building that culture getting everyone to buy in and the, all those vets that like leave that still have good things to say guys like Jared Dudley Ed Davis Damari Carroll who uh aren't with the team anymore but haven't like necessarily done what some other players have done where like you leave a team and you kind of like trash them afterwards uh like Ennis Cantor did with the Blazers um yeah I think that just like having that Good foundation is what led to them getting Durant. Not necessarily Durant just being like months and months ago, like, oh, I'm going to go there kind of regardless of what happens. Right. And the one thing I love about Durant is that, like, he's such a curmudgeon. I <laughs> like, okay, like, Chris Haynes, I know you're here. Whatever, I'll, I'll give you something. Just, like, just chill. And then at the end, he's like, all right, get out, man. Like, you, you have enough. <laughs> uh, he's, just, he's just so prickly. I love it. Yeah, that's kind of what you do to me when the, when the podcasts are wrapping up. You're like, all right, let's, let's move along. Yeah, well, uh, we want to keep it in uh, in the, the listener sweet spot, 25, 30 minutes. Uh, we don't want to be just droning on and on because uh, everyone has enough of that in their lives already. They don't have to do something that they're voluntarily listening to and, and have that drone on as well. Completely agree. I would never drone on, Josh. Yeah. Have we drone on enough today? I think, I think we've hit, the, I think we've hit the, the time slot, yeah. Okay, that's good. Yeah, and, and I think with this with this KD article, um, it was good. I like that he kind of used the parallel of LBJ and, and D Wade teaming up together, uh, just because they were friends and want simply just wanted to play together. Um, 
it's interesting. Uh, it's the same kind of corollary with him and, and Kyrie. They were friends, and then at the same time, they just basically said over time, why don't we team up together and do this? Like, that would be fun. So hopefully it works out, and the Nets uh, so far have been the beneficiaries of that, having two elite players, including someone on the very coveted uh, first team all decade. Uh, hopefully that continues on to this upcoming decade. Uh, but that's going to do it for today. Um, you can follow us on Twitter. Marcus is at Marcus Barahal. I am at JMBass underscore. And then our combined wizardry together uh, on the keyboards is at LockedOnNets. Please follow us on Twitter, um, especially when we get into our big Pacific Northwest road trip. You'll want to hear all about that. You'll want to hear all about the shenanigans we're up to. And in the meantime, we'll speak to you again soon. Bye.